0: I'm Emma G. Rose. I'm Michelle Shearer. We're indie authors. And this is Indie Book Talk. Hello, and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today, we have Gary Lee Vincent, who is the owner and publisher of Burning Bulb Publishing. You may remember hearing that name recently because we interviewed Michelle Bowser, who is an author with Burning Bulb. She also talked to us about movies that they made. So we have lots of questions for Gary. Gary,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you. So, yes, we have lots of questions. Let's start with what made you decide to start a publishing company?
2: All right. Well, I started Burning Bulb Publishing in 2009, mainly because uh, a lot of my uh, friends were writers. I'm from West Virginia, so it's not a major hub for authors. Usually folks go to New York or L.A. if they want to get a book deal done. Um, but the thought was, is maybe I could form some kind of writers cooperative of people that had the same hobbies and interests that I did, and that we could work together as a, as a group of people to, in essence, make a small press, uh, help each other with editing and book design, and in essence, bring talents that some of the bigger publishers have, uh, knowing that, uh, that most of us independent folks by ourselves may not be able to penetrate The big publisher deals right at the beginning of our writing careers. So it was uh, mainly created as a way to help fellow writers like myself, fellow creatives, um, create the best work possible through the collective.
0: That's an impressive mission. Do you feel like you're achieving that? Do you feel like the mission has changed as you've kind of gotten underway and started to see how it really works?
2: Yeah, actually, um, I think we're accomplishing what we set out to do. Um, Over the past decade, we have published well over 200 different titles, book titles, different novels and anthologies and and different poetry collections, a lot of different things. Um, And we have really, uh, we really are... I guess breaking new ground, obviously, with each passing year, uh, technology enables people to consume books differently. They consume it through you know, traditional ways, like reading a physical book, uh, electronic ways, like a Kindle, an audio book. And now, of course, with uh, social media, et cetera, people are just consuming all sorts of different stories in a wide variety of formats. So as we evolve over the past 10 years and beyond, uh, we went from, uh, books to ebooks to audiobooks and, uh, now also doing feature films. So that's like a book to film adaptations and also feature film distribution. So not just distributing books, but also distributing movies. So it's part of, we're expanding as well. Um, but it's still focusing on the creatives that we work with and, uh, trying to get their, their stories out.
0: How did you make the jump from books to movies? Because that seems like a huge learning curve.
2: Oh, it is. It is. Um, <laughs> it's it's a fascinating story, actually. It actually has a, a very unique thread to it. Um, I'll go ahead and give you the long story. and You can cut me off if I'm too long-winded. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, let's see. A long time ago... Um, I did a uh, anthology called the Big Book of Bizarro and I was in Pittsburgh at a Monroeville film festival looking for different people to submit stories to the, to the anthology. And one of the people that I ran into was John Russo. And John is the author of Night of the Living Dead, the 1968 uh, horror movie that he, he co-wrote the screenplay with uh, George Romero and he wrote the novel. And so awesome. John, that was my first uh, chance meeting with John. And uh, he uh, he submitted a story to that anthology, and then fast forward to about 2011, 12, It was a couple more years later. Um, I ran into John at another convention in Pittsburgh, uh, and he he said, "Gary, are you still publishing?" I am like, "Yeah, yeah, we were, we were still publishing." He says, "I've got a I've got a novel for you." He says, "My agent in New York doesn't want it because there are no zombies in it." <laughs> It's a historical thriller called Delhi Plaza. It follows a group of of people after the Kennedy assassination and what the, how that changed their lives and each in each person's life story and goes into this. It's a historical thriller. I said, "Well, wow, that sounds kind of interesting." I said, I'll, "I'll check it out for sure." And um, and so uh, so I, I read it and it was it was a fascinating book and I agreed to publish it and that also because I liked it so well. That was our very first audiobook. Oh. So that that we decided not only to publish it as a novel, but to create our first studio recorded audiobook, and so that that also became my first real uh, engagement in terms of a deep dive into John Russo's work, besides just a short story. Um, and so, him and I were both touring different parts of the country, but with John's new book and also John having a whole circuit of touring that he did, it seemed germane to tour with him on some of the stuff. So in other words, move some of my dates off the books and do the shows that he was doing. So we started touring together, and I was promoting not only my own books, some of the other Burning Bulb author stuff, and of course uh, John Russo's stuff at his table. As we were you know, touring around doing this, uh, there was one show in particular where a lot of people came up to get John's autograph for Night of the Living Dead. But no one bought his new release, Dealey Plaza, nor my, my current book that I had out on the table either. So I said, Jack, it doesn't do us any good to spend all this time pouring our heart and soul into a book. I was being real melodramatic about it. I said, I said when, when all you need to do is make a hit movie, and then you can just have people line it up to, for autographs for 20 bucks a piece. You don't know, you have to think. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Gary, I, he answered me almost in the same melodramatic way. He goes, I guess you need to be an actor. I'm like, well, Jack, if I said, I don't have any Hollywood experience. I live in Podunk, West Virginia. But hey, if you come up with a screenplay, I'll produce it. We'll cast ourselves and we'll make a new <laughs> movie. And we'll set it right here next to Night of the Living Dead at this table. A couple weeks later, he sends me a, a message. It said, My Uncle John is a Zombie, screenplay by John A. Russo. He goes, (laughs) I am Uncle John. This is set in the Night of the Living Dead universe, and you are his (laughs) dim-witted nephew, Oscar. He goes, we have a movie to make, and we're going to be lampooning my classic story.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: He's like, he's serious. This is like a real thing.
1: And you're like, yes, go.
2: So you know what? (laughs) I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Let's do it. Let's get involved in movies. And so it wasn't really thinking of it as a burning bulb thing, but it was me saying, yeah, you know what? Let's see if we can make a movie. And it was comedy, yeah.
1: For anyone that wants to do it, you can read the title of it. It's My Uncle John is a Zombie. He's Hungry. He's Raunchy. He's Family. Yes, (laughs) Yes,
2: <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Um, Michelle Bowser, who you interviewed a couple of days ago, she's in it. She plays Maria Zombie. When I was got involved with that, um, the thought in my head was if I was going to produce a movie, I probably should learn how to make a movie and um <laughs> that's and so a good I started, start <laughs> i started in this real infatuation of just trying to go everywhere that i could on any independent film set whatever i would volunteer i would donate to films i would do anything i could to get on the set and to learn the the trade and then as we were making my uncle john as a zombie the thought occurred to me that you know i might have a little tiny fan base in the writing circles but I was also not really known as an actor. But if we were making this movie and we were putting all this time and money and talent into making a movie, what would sell it if nobody knows who I was? That was kind of like my question, you know. Well, they knew we'd know John Russo, but part of my worry was that we have a bunch of our friends and stuff in this movie. Uh, what if, you know, there is not enough celebrity value to take the movie over the edge? And so. I thought, well, what I need to do is I need to keep acting. And over the past six or seven years, I've actually been on over a hundred TV and movie sets working on projects. Wow! And then in doing that at some point around uh, 2019 or so, 2018, somewhere around there, I was invited to direct a movie called A Promise to Astrid. Uh, That's not a zombie movie. That's a a faith-based movie with Dean Cain um, based on a book and, um, the guy wanted to move his book away from. Um, he was with a vanity press at the time, and he wanted to get more of a mainstream publisher. And uh, so he asked, you know, because I was actually directing the film, and I didn't, I, mean, I didn't try to take his book away from the other publishing company. But I told him I'd work, direct his movie, make the best movie that I could. But in doing so, he wanted to get published with Burning Ball. He liked what our model and what we were, what we represented, and our work ethic. And so so ended up publishing A Promise to Astrid and directing the film A Promise to Astrid. And that led me down a whole path of other movies that were coming in from that side of the house of folks that were doing book-to-film adaptation. So uh, we ended up doing another book-to-film called Dispatched, where Burning Bulb published that. And then the film company that I was working with at the time, uh, JC Films, we merged it in. And here Burning Bulb distributed that too. So we started tying in movies and book content together.
1: So when people give you books now that in hopes of publishing through Burning Bulb, do you look at it in the terms of, would this also make a good movie or do you not use that as a criteria? Yeah, I
2: don't tell people, hey, look, come with us because we can make it into a movie. I Usually the call to make a movie is usually uh, there's a lot of factors involved, not discounting the fact that there's a lot of money involved to make a movie, even though We have historically made our movies very inexpensively, and they still come out pretty good. As is evidenced by, uh, right now we have almost 50 titles that we represent all in distribution right now. And uh, in fact, about a week and a half ago, none of our titles landed with a Redbox deal, which is kind of big. If a person wants to make a movie, I usually tell them up front, you got to understand that Burning Ball, the publisher, isn't the financier of the movie. So usually you have to work that out find find a way to produce the movie however, if we we will work with you, if we can all come together to how that will be made um, a lot of times people will already bring their funding with them to the movies sometimes there's no funding, like in uh, my Uncle John is a zombie, we did an Indiegogo campaign and we do you know, we help the writer, we help whoever's working with the movie in different ways there's always we always try to ground the expectation that. That we, you know, even if we like the book and even if we publish the book, it doesn't mean that we might be able to spend an extra thirty or fifty thousand dollars to make the movie. But that's not like I said; doesn't mean that uh, a person can't publish their book even if they don't have the finances right now to make the movie.
0: To bring us back to the book side, mm-hmm. how do you decide? What's your process for deciding what books you will publish?
2: Oh, okay. Well, um, one thing I like to say, say at the beginning is that, um, we don't discriminate based on what the author wishes to write, but we do, we are picky as long as it's a quality, uh, literary work. Meaning that, um, if a person wants to talk about babies, for example, or they want to write a book on poetry or if they want to do a horror novel or if they want to write a different, like a, a memoir. These are all different categories of books and we would publish any of those categories, but it does still have to be cohesive and well edited. One of the things that we um, do stress is that it already comes to us edited um, in a way that's legible, which not to just dump, you know, a very poor quality product on us in hopes that we will rewrite it for the person. Mm -hmm. Um, In the early days of Burning Ball Publishing, we were all editing each other's things, but it it was getting real, real apparent to a lot of us working on them. We were starting to get burnt out because we were getting hundreds of manuscripts that were written in a very low quality way. So now the simple, what I usually ask is I ask a person to uh, write me a synopsis of what, what would appear on the back of the book, or in other words, the elevator pitch about their book. And then if I like what it says, I'll ask for a manuscript, and we'll go from there.
0: Okay. So you don't have a lot of restrictions or requirements around like genre or specific types of books you're looking for. It's really, we just want well-written books, and if we like them, we like them.
2: Yes. In fact, um, that goes back to what, what our original premise was with Burning Ball Publishing, was we always seen ourselves as a writer's cooperative much like a farmer's co-op is a group of farmers that each bring certain things in the agriculture industry to the table so that the group can do better. That's kind of the way burning bulb is, 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 Somebody might be a prolific writer on like PTSD or some kind of a, you know, of a social problem like opioid addiction or things like that, you know, so I wouldn't say, well, hey, I'm, I'm a poor publisher, so I'm not going to look at that when this might be that person's way to get their story out there. Mm-hmm. Um, once they're out there, it's always going to be uh, up to the fates and to the marketing <laughs> prowess of the author and, and all to get their book to be a hit. We wanted to at least get it as well as we could. To give them that chance.
1: So, speaking of uh, like marketing and editing, do you offer any of those services? Or
2: um, well, we can't. We do edit a basic copy edit. We really don't go too far into the content editing side, but we do do copy editing to make sure that it looks as well as good as we can. And we do typesetting. We help with the cover
0: design. I had another question. I forgot it. we save me. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, I was going to ask. Uh, so, about marketing, do you do any kind of marketing for the authors, or is it all on them, or how well, how does that, that work?
2: That's the one. The one aspect, because there are so many different writers and there's so many different things, that's one area that we don't really do a lot with. Um, I'm not saying that that we just <laughs> here you're on your own, whatever. <laughs> We're sort of like a gym in the sense that we have a a, a place where a person can go in and exercise. But ultimately, that person decides what they're going to do when they're in the gym. Uh, the what we do as as a publisher is get their story to be as as pretty and look and packaged well, and to be as commercially acceptable as we can. But that that as just like the machines work out the body. Um, but if the person simply says publish my book and put it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, et cetera. You know, if they don't do anything else, there's no way that we can take it beyond that. Mm -hmm. So what we, we really try to stress that the author is vested in their own success. Now here's the, here's where the magic starts to happen is if they are, if they really are working it, you know, then their book's going to be more, more successful. But then, you know, they'll be invited to things that we're doing too. Like we're, if we're doing some shows coming up and it happens to be the genre that their book is in. But if then again, if they just simply put their book out and they don't even tweet about it or they don't put any Facebook posts or anything, it's hard for us to be able to tell them that book's going to be successful. Right. And it's really hard. You know, I also have an, an ethical dilemma to, to take money off of them, knowing that they're not doing a thing to promote their book. So I I really, you know, it's just like you can put, um, you can purchase keywords on Amazon as well as Google and different places. You you can spend, you know, a hundred bucks on Facebook posts and things like that. But that's really flushing the money down the drain if we don't solve the fundamental aspect of what it takes to make a book successful.
1: So just on that same kind of thing, what about the book covers? Do you have Mm -hmm. the author come in with a book cover or do you do book covers
2: in-house? We we design them um, unless the author is absolutely dead set on a picture. You know, they sometimes they'll have a relative or a friend take a picture and they're they're set on that. But if they're not, we have a lot of resources, great artists that we work with. And um, I'm a graphics designer as well, but, you know, we – we will try to curate the book to really pop, and that's that's the one, well, one of many things that we really do well is is we make nice looking books, but really, really cool covers.
1: Emma, did you think of your question? No, okay, but um. <laughs> well, that's okay. So if, if someone wants to send you their blurb, in the hopes of getting. Um, Published by your company. What should, uh, where would they reach out to you at?
2: The best, the best thing to do is to send an email to admin. That's short for administrator, but just admin. A D M I N at burningbulbpublishing All one word. burningbulbpublishing.com. And if you don't remember the email address, just go to Burning Bulb Publishing. There's a, <laughs> a contact link you can click on
1: it's very easy to find <laughs> yeah great well thank you so much for being with us today Gary uh you're quite welcome i'm glad i can join you